0: Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Jake Watson, and this is the Open GuardCast. It is 7.43 a.m. over here in beautiful Arizona, where Danny and I are both positioned. I'm drinking coffee with a little bit of that Coffee Mate, you know, the Walmart brand Italian sweet cream in it. It's good. It's tasty. I didn't realize it, but it's super awesome. And now I'm wired, juiced to the gills, ready to interview this man. We're talking before the show, and he's got me amped. <laughs> Uncle Coach Kevin, who is also drinking coffee. Look at that. I mean, See it's 10:30 it's
1: here, and I'm, I'm about the same phase as you are. This is, this is my 7:30 in the morning. <laughs> I rolled out of bed like
0: 30 minutes ago.
1: I was, was very when tired. When Danny told me you guys was going to be 7:30 where you're I was like, Are you out of your fucking mind? You're going to be okay. <laughs> I just Automatically wake Seriously, up. This you're, getting, time. Like, you're getting up at 7:30 for this shit for me. Like, I'm good. Maybe we can reschedule a little bit later. <laughs>
0: Well, man, we uh, we've done a podcast. I remember when we interviewed Andre Gauvain; it was our first big guest, and he was like, "Yeah, okay, I'm available only Thursday, 7:30 a.m." And me and Daniel like, no, I think it was like 6 talked about it. It, it was, was like this. It was
1: yeah. Was it even yeah, earlier it than that? I don't remember, dude. All I
0: know is I was too groggy to be interviewing someone that made me that nervous. <laughs> so it was uh, it was a huge huge deal, and I was freaking like this at the computer screen just. just eyes agape, super <laughs> nervous the whole time, four hours of sleep. I'm like, what is going on? But uh, yeah, it's great to have you on the show, man. Um, we, we we talked a little bit before the show, but we didn't want didn't to waste any content, so we're jumping right into it. How's your day going?
1: Good, man. Yeah, I freaking uh, kind of had my girl over this morning last night. She left early today, and I woke up, laid my eyes back down again. She had to get up early. She left at like seven, so I woke up. Was going to stay awake, and I was like, eh, I'll just go back to sleep for another <laughs> <Yeah>. hour. <laughs> I didn't sleep very well last night. I was just kind of groggy, rolling around. Mm-hmm. But, you know, whatever. Same old shit, ready to go. Firing off my day. I got, like, three private lessons
0: today. I got a lift. I got all kind of shit to do yes. today. Nice. So, do you, did you train, like, last night, and it's hard to wind down?
1: I've, I've been having issues sleeping just been. I just, I'm getting old and just, I just don't. Sometimes I freaking just stay in bed. So, I, you know, I opened my gym up too. So, i got a million things running in my brain and, you know, stress and all the other stuff like that. And just wondering, worry and shit. But I mean, nothing serious. I have been training a lot. I have a a pretty eh, competition coming up against a really tough kid next Saturday, William uh, Vincent. I've gone against him before in the ADCC trials. I'd lost by uh ref decision double overtime yeah he's a big kid tough kid it's just one of them things like a promoter local promoter was like hey you want to have a match and I was like ah, I guess oh, yeah, right. <laughs> but, right, you know, I gotta trade right and now it's like I mean I had a I had a pretty tough session yesterday man I went to a couple 10 minute rounds get a ten minute overtime or ten minute EBI stuff submission only. I had like three 10 minute rounds with, like Matt Arroyo, Lewis Mata Dan Martinez, like, I'm just like, I'm just like, uh, ooh, Dan Martinez. Uh. <laughs> like, Dan, Dan's so goddamn good. That kid's, fuck him, man. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I am like, like, uh, talking,
0: I'm talking a whole lot. I'm sure you guys understood this when you're going to have me on, but like. Uh, <laughs> oh, Danny and I have said this on many occasions, that if we, like, a, a good podcast is when the guest talks the whole time. <laughs> yeah, and We talk we very, very talk. Why would we invite somebody on to talk <laughs> over them? You know, that's like. Kind of weird to it's invite just, a guest on to make us look better. Yeah. You, know, like, you talk about you talk about like the Dan
1: Martinez thing and like uh you know, I talk about like, you know, I'm pretty fucked good at jujitsu and I don't whatever, not bragging, braggadociously. But you know, I've done a few things. I'm pretty cool, I've competed and shit like that. And like i you know, most of the time when I roll with people, it isn't uh Almost in a in a in a teaching manner with like ninety eight percent of the people I roll with, you know, I'm like, oh that was pretty cool. Let him work a little bit here, but I'm you know I'm checking my voicemails and you know <laughs> waving to the fans and shit, you know, <laughs> like but uh, you know when I roll with Dan Martinez, it's just it's just amazing, like because he's kind of doing that to me. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. When you think and Matt Arroyo, same thing. When you think about just the levels of this thing, and I tell this to my students and stuff, it's like you know. You might look at me as this, like, god of jujitsu or whatever, but the reality of it is, is there are people out there that are apex predators to me that just, like, swoop down and, like, whoop, <laughs> and then spit me back out again when, they, when they're done with me. That's funny.
2: So, you mentioned guys like Matt Arroyo, Dan Martinez. Like, I, I know you're a black belt under Matt. Do you want to talk about, like, some of your early influences in jiu-jitsu and, and how you kind of got started in grappling and jujitsu?
1: Yeah, man. So, you know, I was, uh, I boxed for a long time,
2: and, uh... I was gonna be a
1: professional boxer. I, mean, I had this goal in my mind, but I was always a fucking stupid kid. I was partying and doing shit. Never really like focused on mm-hmm. things. You know, at the time when I was coming up, you know, the UFC was just like a that was still cockfighting. You know what I mean? That was like oh, what's that shit? You know, nobody was making any money out of it. It was just like a like a like a county fair type thing or something. And I wrestled in high school. I kind of wanted to wrestle in college, and it never panned out. And um, I started getting some concussion problems. And I quit boxing because of that. And then I decided, you know, I was in a gym teaching a boxing class, and Matt opened up his uh, jiu jitsu gym, like in the, in, as a part of the connected to the gym. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to give this MMA thing a try because why not? You know, I didn't want to get a run at it. I was kind of 30 ish and like lethargic and lost and listless. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get one more run and share shit concussion problems started popping back up again so I was like oh fuck this bro my brain's just too important I got mental health issues that run in my family I didn't want to take no chances so I just stuck it with jiu and just I mean started competing pretty
2: heavily around brown belt and then yeah, here we are man it's awesome so at what it sounds like you started jiu a little bit later than some of the you know elite black belts who, who are starting nowadays how old are you when you really committed fully to just pure jujitsu training
1: Uh, I mean, just to, so that's a, that's a weird question because, you know, I've always worked, I was kind of a career bartender for a while. I had a really good job. I worked at a fine dining restaurant, um, and made, you know, really stupid money and made stupid connections. It was getting benefits and 401k and the whole thing as a bartending gig. It was, you know, kind of unheard of, you know, and, you know, serving steaks and lobsters to freaking, you know, rich people and just having a Cakewalk through it. It was awesome, you know. Uh, I worked there for 13 years, and it shut down. And I had been training during them, but training was just like, ah, you know, I'll do a naga here and there. I never really thought of it any time seriously. And then um, I tell this story a lot. And I'll tell it again because it's a pretty good story. So I mean, it's not a good story. It's just a story. It's just facts, you know, perseverance and <laughs> shit <something> like that. <laughs> it's not. It's not really a fun story. But um, so three things happened all at the same time. Actually, four. Um, The restaurant I worked at closed down. So, you know, I got a little decent little severance package. Not really a whole lot. I had some money saved up. So I kind of was like living off of that for a while. Um, During that process, uh, my dad died of cancer. Um, I got a DUI, which sucked. (laughs) And then there was one other thing that happened. My girlfriend broke up with me. So like there was like four like huge, huge, huge. My dad dying was huge. Me and my dad were super, super tight. That hit me like something. It's still probably the toughest thing I've ever dealt with in my entire life. So I was in this very listless place of like, I could have gone either way. You know, career bartender isn't really you know, like something you put down on a <laughs> high-end resume. So I'm trying to like strike fire again and find that amazing bartending kid that I had before. and They just don't come around. So I was kind of working in dive bars and do whatever I had to do to, to kind of make ends meet. And I was like, you know what, man? Like, if I don't find something to focus my energy in to keep me from going down this spiral, I'm going to continue going down this spiral and competing in jujitsu became that focal point. So I started the one big piece I did. I decided to do the ADCC trials in Miami. I think it was, Oh God, I can't remember 2012. I think it was whatever the one was two years ago, three years ago. It has been a while. And, um, I trained for it, you know, just don't like never really competed seriously. But I was like, you know what? A couple of dudes are going down there. Fuck it. I'm going to do it too. Ended up finishing third. So at that moment, it was the point when I said to myself, wow, man, like, you know, I kind of belong to be here. You know, I can hang with the big boys. You know what I mean? Whatever. I was at the time I was God close to 40, man, probably 38 ish, mm-hmm. but I still had the bug and I still had viability. And then I started competing more. And then I went out and I said, "You know what? I'm going to go train for the worlds." And I won the worlds in Gie in in no gi at um, at Brown Belt. You know, Masters Four. But fuck you guys, I'm a world champion. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I tell I tell the girls at the bar I'm a world champion.
0: (laughs) Nice. (laughs) To you, you are. You're not. You're not. You're just withholding like fine yeah, print I, off of that not, not that bad, lying man. you know
1: if you would like to if you would carry it into if you carry it into you know continue the conversation the facts will come through but as of right now i am a world champion and there <laughs> is no false to that false <laughs> to that statement right
0: these are the same girls that are gonna say BJJ. Is that like karate?
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah, you know, are they just? I, this is. I say this all the time, and I will die on this hill. It's so funny when people ask me if I'm a UFC fighter. I just say yes because it, I will have a ten minute conversation with, with them, explaining to them that I am not. And I just do one subset of MMA, which is called Jujitsu, jitsu and they will still say, oh, okay, so you're, you're a sea fighter then. And I go, oh, yeah, sure, whatever. So I don't even – I just cut the – I save myself the 10 minutes of yeah, conversation. Just tell me your name George St. Pierre. Fighter, Pierre but I say, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, I'm George St. Pierre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I wear skies <laughs> when I go out in the street. I used to look just like uh, Clay Guido. Oh, I yeah, I get, I yeah, I can see was, that. It was
0: ridiculous. Oh, ridiculous. yeah. yeah. <clears throat> That, guy, that guy's yeah, that, he's from Chicago. Guy, he, I, I've seen. There's a compilation of him just like weird stuff he does in the corner <laughs> when he when he's fighting like the gi- Like he he lets out these gigantic burps and he's like <laughs> yeah. he's not even yeah. tired in the corner. He's <laughs> just talking to his corner like normal after dude, a crazy round.
1: I tell you, I watched his fight two weeks ago.
0: Yeah, that yeah, was uh, 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 two or three really weeks ago. Look like
1: he yeah. lost a yeah. nope. step, man. You look great. I mean, his timing may have been a little bit off, but dude, he kept moving yeah. ahead. Moving. It was awesome. You know, he was never really a crisp. No. Striker, You know what I mean He was never really like sharp He was just a motor You know what I mean He had good head movement And he would connect you With your awkward Punches and awkward leg kicks And shit But dude that motherfucker Shit he looked just as good As he did five
0: six years ago man
1: Yeah was, mm-hmm. He's a he killer He beat Michael machine. Johnson
0: Yeah Yeah same shit man Yeah Yeah Michael Johnson was a contender
1: Yeah Oh Clay Guedia He beat He he was in there with some studs And he did shit He's been fighting for fucking He kind of reminds me of a Slightly less accomplished Joe Lazone. Yeah Like yeah. The, the classic, uh, what do they call it, uh, like young fighters, like if, if you, you you hang them around, you know, the journeyman guys, really never going to be champ. He's, maybe he can kick it around. He might get a title shot. Maybe he wins one like Bisbing did just to say he did it, but never really like next level, elite level fighter. But he's the type of guy where you say, OK, cool, we've got this kid. He's a stud. He's kind of working our lower level yeah. guys. We want to see how good he is. If he could beat Jello Zone, well, if he could beat Jello Zone, then he did yeah. something. If he could beat Clay Guede, you know there's lots of guys. Donald Cerrone, lots of guys fall into that category, like Clay Guida.
0: Yeah, gatekeepers. make keepers. a living off of that shit. Oh yeah, yeah, they're they're just gatekeepers. Ga- gatekeepers. That was the
2: word I was looking for. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. So I kind of want to go back because
1: I, f- I feel
0: like that story was really interesting. Like
2: talking about going from yeah. like a career as a bartender where you had all these benefits and you're yeah. making really good money, and then you found something to put your energy into, but it wasn't probably paying you the same as your old job. So was that, <laughs> no, was no. that difficult, too? No. Because you obviously had to find a way to, to make ends meet still. I know you said you had some money saved up, but it's different when you go from, like, any consistent paycheck that's really good to not yeah. getting that anymore.
1: Well, it was tough. I mean, I had to... I had to go work, and I mean, I've dude. <laughs> I mean, I've bartended in fucking gay bars, shirt off, and having the, the boys smack my ass. <laughs> I mean, I made I made good money doing that for a while. It was, it, and you kind of gets, you know what I mean. You get kind of in the, it's you know, obviously I'm a fucking narcissist, so I loved it, but like, <laughs> you know, but you also kind of. You know, you get caught up in the thing and you have fun with it, but after a while, it kind of like you got it got to warts took its tailor toll on me. You know, I just couldn't fucking deal with the shit no more. You know, I worked in dive bars where literally there was like homeless people smoking spice in the back room, and I got to go like yank them out. Everything they're yelling in your face, some crazy homeless person. You worried about getting jabbed with a fucking rusty blade, dying on the floor. You know what I mean? Like I, I, dude, when when I tell you, I did everything I had to do. To high, cause I'm a little nutty too, man. Every once in a, when I when I'm in a good place, like I am a Zen <clears throat> warrior. You're like, know? oh no, why would you want to fight me? What? Let's just handle this calmly. But I ain't in no mood. Like I just fuck it. I just go slight right to boom. Now you smited me. It's all over. And like you got some crazy dude. No matter how tough you are, they're gonna stick you with a knife. You're dead. Yeah. I don't know. I don't much fucking jujitsu, you know. But the point of it is, is like. <laughs> you know, hustling my way to get to the point to where you know I, whatever I've managed to accomplish now, I've got my own gym and you know podcasts and people pay me to write and stuff like that is pretty cool. but like it took, took a long time and it, it was stressful, hustling, finding out ways, building up clientele and, and not just building up clients for private lessons because that's hard enough. Like learning literally how to teach, you know, learning how to, to hone your craft. Like, you don't just wake up one day and learn how to book, you know, million-dollar clients to freaking, not that I'm making a million, but, you know, millionaire clients to convince them that you are this jujitsu sage. You know, you got to work your way up to that. You got to hone your craft. You got to learn how to communicate with people. You know, working in the high-end restaurant business kind of as a bartender taught me that a little bit, but like still, you have to have that assurance of yourself to be able to tell people that what you're saying matters in the jiu relevance. And that only takes time. That, that's, yeah, not, not, that's not something you can just wake up doing. You got to work your ass off that. You got to struggle and you're going to lose people and it takes time
0: and effort. Mm-hmm. Well, did, as a part of your journey with that, did you ever like read any books? or Was there anybody who helped you learn how to teach? Or any mentors you looked up to?
1: Oh, uh, I mean, yeah, of course. I mean, Matt Arroyo is my, been my dog from day one. Like I can't think of a better mentor figure you know of success and then matt is That like, he's just been amazing you know i mean we've had our moments of like you know we were going to kill each other several times you know but uh matt is the type of person that like will never tell you he is looking out for your best interest because he doesn't have that human gene it's a weirdness with him <laughs> you know he's very he's very mechanical you know but every single time even in the moments when i felt like i you know I, I i was like you're wrong you know this is bullshit we're going to terms like he would smite me in one way or another and i would be so pissed off and i would think to myself man like in retrospect in hindsight that was exactly what i needed to happen in my life at that moment to put me in the right path and make me grow and his word was like here it is you know you can play by my rules or you could not be here anymore but if you do this, it's going to make you better because I'm going to take you along the ride with me to success. There's certain people in life that are so remarkably driven and so prone to success that if you just hang on to them, you're going to, they're going to take you along for the ride. And Matt Arroyo is God, man. I don't think I've ever met another person in my life that really, really exemplifies that better than Matt, like that dude is so driven if you if you if you're ready for the ride, he's going to take you with, and if you're not, train ain't stopping,
2: you know, yeah, he's someone who's a, a really, really good teacher too, so was teaching something coming up, learning from him, was it something you knew you wanted to get into at some point? Well, I
1: mean yeah, I mean, I didn't really think of it's funny, I wanted to be. Kurt Oceander for a while. That was my big thing. I was never, I'm gonna fucking, you know, I'm gonna be this new, you know, edgy. Like, I'm gonna, I was doing technique videos <laughs> and trying to build my site and all this other shit. And like, it's, I could have probably done it if I kept with it, but I was, you know, flaky about it. And that's just a hard, that's a hard nut to crack. Like, you gotta have, you gotta have desire and, and tempo and, you know, you gotta keep pushing it out there, but you also kind of have to be, A little bit lucky. You gotta have a few things happen for you at the right time at the right space and be able to capitalize on that momentum to take you through it. I mean, it's there's only there's a reason why there's not a thousand codosiators out there, Mm -hmm. you know. (laughs) Like that was my goal. I wanted to be this internet personality, and I started doing the podcast and all this shit like that. But I teaching the private lessons was was, you know, a solid source of income for me, you know. Yeah, that's
2: interesting. That makes sense. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Jake, did you, can you kind of relate to that? I know you started teaching more, like, group classes, but was uh, was that something you felt like
0: you had to, like, develop as well? It was, like, teaching the privates? Well, teaching private lessons for me is, is still something I'm growing. Uh, as far – like, for me, learning how to coach came from uh, not just watching people or watching my professor, Andre, who I've been with since I was 12 uh, – it was also watching people give speeches cuz I felt like it was sort of the same sort of the same thing. If you're teaching a group class, you're teaching a group of people, being able to articulate a message and, you know, relate jiu-jitsu to real life, which is something Andre does really really well. He'll give you if he knows he has a lot of football players in a room, he'll use football examples to describe jiu-jitsu concepts. And if he has a lot of people who came in off of desk jobs, he'll relate it to real life things because that's easier for them to relate to. And I just feel like I learned uh, a lot of different Things through books I read, like <clears throat> I read a lot of like the parables of Jesus because I'm Christian, and I feel like the way that he relates things through stories is really cool too. So whenever I'm trying to teach a class, I'm just using stuff that I saw when I was when I was younger and watched stuff, and I, I also feel like the private lessons are a little bit of a different challenge because if you get used to teaching group classes and you're really good at relaying it to a whole group setting, and then you got to dial in on just one person, that was something I initially struggled with. Now I'm a lot better at it, but you go from like giving a speech to having a conversation. And then you, that's just kind of two different ways of teaching. I struggled with it first, but both of those are really, my professor really helped me with too. So I I definitely relate to you there. He's, he's the kind of, I've spoke about Andre on the show several times and that he's uh, in the best way I can possibly say it. He's like a, he's like a psycho for jujitsu. He wakes. He's up right now studying yeah, jujitsu so. or teaching a private lesson. You know, I've taken a
1: couple classes from Andre out at. Um, you, you might know my homeboy uh, Gorilla. He's a black belt out there. Anthony. He's, he just he just had a kid. He trains at Autos. He trains San Diego Autos. He probably oh, knows I'm, you.
0: Oh no, I'm not. A, I'm not an Autos competitor.
1: Oh okay. You, oh never mind you're talking about I thought, I thought you meant there's, a your there's a lot there's of Andre's there's a Andre. lot of Andre's that's, but, um, that's funny
0: that's funny well there is you know Andre will say it my, well, my coach you mentioned Andre be, having
1: Andre got about on earlier and I was like oh he must be training he oh must train Andre true
0: yeah no I li- I've lived in Arizona I've lived in Arizona since I was oh, yeah, like six years old no, it's okay. I should have uh, said, I should have introduced myself as Jake Watson from Arizona. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. that was good. Nice work, kid. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Andre Maracaba is my is my coach's name.
1: No, you you uh, you made a good point about that. The idea of connecting with people in private lessons, and like that's, that's something that you know even in general as a teacher, like it, it's true though. Like I, you know, I've been gifted. I have a, I'm, I'm a decent like orator. Like I'm one of them person that just, I, I'm, it's a weird freakish thing with me. Like I just love eyes on me like it can't help myself i just you know it's one of the, it makes me a good competitor competitor like you got somebody get, you want you want you want somebody to give a speech like i'm your dude you know what i mean mm-hmm. like i just i i there's something about that jazz and that anxiety that's like a drug to me and i just i, I it's a weirdness and i don't want this to sound arrogant but i have a particular ability to rise to the occasion when situations like that occur, because I will find some kind of like deep-seated prophetic meaning to everything I say, and like I'm, I'm empowered by that. It's a weird. Sometimes it's kind of silly and gets out of gets in the way, and lots of people in my classes will laugh at me because like no, Coach Kevin's making this way more dramatic <laughs> than it needs to be. But <laughs> but I I have this thing. I always make this joke. It's kind of funny because I'll have my post mat. Uh, my post-math speech, you know, class is over and everybody's tired. and I make them all line up and they're going to listen to me talk shit and stuff like <laughs> that because that's, you know, it's kind of what we do, right? And it's funny because you can watch. Through the line, they're in belt order, right? You can see the white belts that are literally just like hanging off my every word, like it's just like, oh my god, Coach Kevin is speaking, and then like, you know, as you go down, and eventually to like the purple and the brown and the black belts, like Jesus fucking Christ, <laughs> Coach retired, I want to go home. When in the black belts aren't paying attention anymore, the black belts are already looking for their phone. <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a thing, man. You have to be able to communicate to be able to make things work like that, man. Right?
0: You know it's funny. I talked to Danny about that before too, but you just articulated something that I've articulated to Danny many times. I'm the same way. I really like. I really, really love, and it's not for, like this is. I know earlier you said you, that you're you're a narcissist, which is cool, <laughs> but uh, I, would, I, I, don't, I don't think of a narcissist. But I do really enjoy rising to occasions. So I, I enjoy being like in the moment. I enjoy the moment and. If it's, like, the finals of a tournament and I know that there's, like, 100,000 people watching online, I, that is, I get less nervous and more excited in a way. Like, yeah. I really feel the buildup and I, and I know it's important and I love being a part of important things. So, I, I totally get that. And it's funny you said that. You're, like, I don't want this to sound weird or, like, you can't relate. But you just said, I just totally relate. Because there's, t- I mean, there's only one time where I, like, didn't rise to the occasion, I think. And, and that was when I got a, I, I was hawaii Fight to win, and I fought Michael Lear Jr. Wow. and he he had control past me and and aired me from the back. But every time, every other time, like I've had huge fights with people who beat me all the time, and I, it was just a huge situation, and I beat them. It was kind of cool, and uh I think that that's that's pretty, it's relatable. I think it's funny that you just articulated something. I don't think anybody else has articulated it to me. So yeah, like, you
1: know, in there's certain people I'll tell you like flat out, like I don't know that I am the greatest athlete, especially not anymore. You know what I mean? There might have been a time when I was a great athlete. I do like to work. There's a part of the process that I enjoy. I like going, I just, I just love it. Nothing I love more than getting my shit pushed in. In a, in a training session you know what i mean i just i just love getting i just there's something about it you're in there with the dudes you're laughing maybe i should change that term you might want to pick that out <laughs> it's got it's got weird the <laughs> side. Nothing, nothing better right. than getting your nothing better than getting your <laughs> shit pushed in with your boys <laughs> that's another classic coach kevin yeah. moment we gonna hold on to that one for a while <laughs> nothing better than i like getting like my teeth kicked in and Working my ass off in a training session. And then afterwards, you're fucking talking smack with the guys and you're laughing your way through it. It's a sickness inside (laughs) of me and I enjoy that. However, like, I don't think I'm the hardest worker. I don't think I'm the most dedicated guy. I'm kind of a lazy person sometimes. It's in my DNA. However, like, there are certain people and I think that I'm one of them. Just like we said before, that like, you know, there's something about when the lights are on. Things just change, and great competitors—people that are really, really amazing competitors—there's something about them. Like I wrote an article about one of the things, like what five things to work on when you're competing, or some bullshit like that. And the number one one was like, be ready for that moment, enjoy it, cherish it, make it yours, because that's a really, really the only thing that matters. Like I had a, and again, this is all like regurgitated shit. I've tilted my classes a hundred times, but. Bern- uh, Bernardo Farrier came down to my gym at Match gym for a seminar one time, and we had lunch after him and hung out, and he told a story about that. And he said, you know, I've had training camps where I worked my ass off. I was in the best shape of my life, felt more prepared than anything I've ever felt before in my life, and I lost in the first or second round. He said, then I've had tournaments where everything went wrong. Like, I was sick, injured, felt like shit, had a rough weight cut, and everything wasn't really in my swing and you end up winning, right, and the point of it is, is like, like, yes, no, we're not saying you don't have to train, right, you don't have to prepare, but the reality of it is the only thing that matters is the moment, just like the freaking, you know, Eminem, you know, but it's, it's really, really true, the only thing that matters is that moment when you're on the stage, man, and and going out there and taking someone away, and now, because the other guy's ready too, you know what I mean? other guy wants the same thing. Good competitors. He, he wants that moment too. You have to take that kind of thing from him, and that's the beauty of competition as well.
2: Yeah, that's really interesting. I feel like I see a lot of people who really rise to the occasion in competition, and then you see people who are just killers in the training room who aren't able to translate yeah. that to the competition mat. So what's your, what's your experience with that? Have you seen a lot of people – have you seen anyone turn yeah. that around, like someone who wasn't good under the lights, and then they learned that skill and were able to implement it? That is – the main 100% across the
1: board were you hit it right on the nail the nail right on the head when you said learn that skill um you know i have been competing god for fucking ever especially not just competing but competing in one on one combat, combat sports. sports for since i was 15 i started wrestling boxed you know what i mean just It's just a thing for me. Now, I I still get nervous. I get sick to my stomach before. I will literally, my body will actually make me physically ill in anticipation for competitions. I hate it. It's the worst fucking feeling in the world. However, when it's on, it's on. And the point of it is, is that when you talk to, I see lots of people, like you say that, that are just, you know, they're killers on the mat. And they just, when they get to compete and they just freeze up there's another level of stressors. There's another level of mental torment that goes involved. That's involved with competing on a high level and you're out there. It matters. You know what I mean? You got your friends watching, your students watching, you know, you're, you you do not want to look stupid, you know? And the only way to get past that, to get better at that is to continue to compete. You go out there and you lose and you have to tell yourself, all right, I just had this conversation with Stu the other day, you know, when you lose, everyone thinks, oh my God, I'm gonna go back to the gym, and everyone's gonna think, oh, Coach Kevin sucks, and no one's gonna look at me. And it's like, and the reality of it is, it's like, first of all, you're really not that big of a deal. You know, you're not that important. Like, you know, p- people aren't losing sleep because their black belt instructor lost a match. You know, what I mean? people aren't like throwing down their Coach Kevin pendants on the ground. <laughs> you know, and, like, like, you know, no one really cares. You know, it's not that big, it's in your head.
0: They're laying their geese on your desk, <laughs> yeah, right. like Rudy. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like we're chicken. not playing <laughs> if you don't win, <laughs> Coach. Coach, why, Coach? Why, Coach? <laughs> you know, it's not that big of a deal. So I, you know, you can still get very good at jujitsu without competing. I, 100%. If you choose to compete, understand that it is just like everything else in the sport. You have to learn to get better at it. You have to learn to deal with all of the unique stressors that are involved in a competition-style match. You know, the fucking exasperation, the, the fucking, you know, the, the anxiety, the mental flow, the falling into that fight or flight that kills your cardio,
2: all the other things that are involved in that, you know, that you just have to get used to. it. You got to deal with it.
0: Yeah.
2: Jake, what's your experience with that? Do you have a lot of students who you feel like have gone through those same
0: things? Yeah. Yeah, without naming without naming names, it's like <clears throat> there are some students who they're so they're so great in both actually. They're, they're great in tournament, they're great in the training room, and they dread the experience of tournament. And it's like it's actually some, sometimes it's not fun. And then there's some who they compete not so well, and they're great in the training room. And there's some, and this is this is interesting. Some compete better than they train, and that to me is really funny because it's like for, it, you almost, as a coach, you see you're like, okay, go to the tournament, and you're you're developing a game plan, talking with them, and they're like, oh man, you know, like, I'll, I'll, we'll see how I feel when I get there. And then they'll go there, and they'll hit some stuff that you're like, I didn't teach you that. Like, where did you? What the heck is that? Like, I had a student one time who I was conv- I was convinced if he were to be in his guard, he would he would lose the match. If he was in his guard, the match would not go well. And then he gets in his guard, does a spider guard sweep, and chokes the guy from mount. And I'm like, uh, as a coach on the sideline, I'm freaking yelling, like pounding the pounding the barrier, going nuts. But then he gets off the mat, I'm like, dude, what was that? He's like, I don't know. I just did it. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, that's fantastic. I saw that do it again next time. And then he did it again next match. No, he saw us do it in class. He just never did it during a live roll. So i had never thought that he ingested the information since he didn't try it during a live situation. And that's, it's just so funny to me how the dynamic works. As a coach, as a competitor, I, uh, I used to compete. I think, I used to compete pretty okay, but I only had close guard and triangle, and then that was it. And if I didn't do those two things, it was over. The match was a bust, and I was gonna lose. I had no passing whatsoever. But um, it, took a, it took my coach starting to talk to me more like I was, more like I was, uh, his nephew than I was a student because I was training with him all the time. And then eventually he just goes like, okay, look, you suck at this. Uncle Coach Andre. You suck at, (laughs) yeah, Uncle Coach Andre's like, listen, you're not good. You you gotta, you're not good at this, at this, at this particular situation. He was, he he started saying like, more like that. He wouldn't tell me I suck, but like, (laughs) Like, listen, this thing right here, you're not but good at. So we well right? exactly. <laughs> right. to better to, it, Exactly. If I talk to a student like that, they might be like, "Who's this 23 year old guy talking to me like I like I'm stupid?" But I was stupid. I was 14, so it's like, <laughs> at the end of the day, I I needed that kind of talking to. Would you do you feel like as a coach it's fun? This is a good question. A good little segue into a question. Yeah. Do you feel like as a coach, um, there are some students who you have that sort of dynamic with. Like you, you, there's some who you have to kind of come out a little a little softer some you can just freaking crash down on so (laughs) it's funny because I'm the king of crashing down
1: (laughs) i I try not to I, i always just tell people like man like you guys don't understand you're only here for an hour a day like i'm spending 12 hours a day watching people do the one thing i love more than anything else in the world poorly you know what i mean (laughs) like you know imagine that groundhog day you know like you know the thing that i've dedicated my entirety of my life to i'm watching people do it horribly you know (laughs) over and over and over again and trying to pretend like it's it's awesome that's you know that's just me that's just wakes me that's just part of like i love it it's better than having a job obviously but you know it's part of what kind of makes me who i am but i um It kind of leads back a little bit to what we talked about when we talked about the idea of teaching in general and private lessons in general. Like one of the things that I feel like makes successful coaches and makes me what I like to believe one of my strengths as a coach is my ability to understand how to motivate people particularly. You know, there are some people that you can crash down on and that's what motivates them. There's some people you can have very candid conversations where you could talk to them like, Hey bro, like we're right here. You know, you're being a bitch. You know that. you know what I'm talking <laughs> about? You know, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, so, yeah, sorry, then coach. there's yeah, some people a... and there's I didn't some expect people. you to go there. That was just funny. <laughs> so, oh God, you, you ain't ever taking a class with me. <laughs> then there's some people that you you know, you have to put your arm around and you have to kinda like, you know, build them back up again and let them know, hey man, you know, like you did good, like don't be so down on yourself. You're going to be fine. This is going to, you're going to get through this, you know? And then there are certain instances where, you know, some people, the same person requires difference. You know what I'm talking about? There's some situations where some guy is maybe whining a little bit too much and you have to be like, Hey bro, like, you know, I know you're having a hard time, but you got to suck it up. You know what I mean? Or you have to, you have to you know, break out of this funk because what you're doing isn't going to help, you know, and some people want instant gratification. You have to tell them, Hey bro, no, you ain't getting that shit. Relax. You don't know, calm the fuck down. It takes time. <laughs> it's a process. You know, these are all things that you have to know from a person to person, you know, situational basis. I have, I, I, think, I forgot agree. the question, but I don't know if that. Like, you basically <laughs>
0: you, you you answered my question in, in right, a very cool. um, in a very dance around it and then threw it away. <laughs> <All> right, <good. laughs> I liked it. I liked it. Cla- classic prose. <laughs> yes. It's like it's like when your uncle does get your li- this is literally my uncle giving me advice. This is my yeah, uncle that's coach really Kevin that's giving that's me it. advice. I,
1: I was this is fun for me too. This is one of the things that I really enjoy. Like I, I there's not much that I enjoy more. Been talking to like high level purple belts and high level brown belts so when they come asking me dumb fucking questions that they should already know. Because when you're a brown belt, like your goal in jiu jitsu is not getting better at jiu jitsu per se, right? You're already fucking good. You know what I mean? You know, you know, all the techniques. You know, there's nothing much more I'm gonna show you. Maybe a few cool things that I see on fucking Instagram that I can kind of show you, but it's not going, it shouldn't be blowing your mind. You should be able to go, oh, that's amazing, and then go, okay, cool. What it really is, though, is just this and this and compile You know, it's not that it's not that crazy X guard fly through triangle. It's really just oh, okay. He just went from X guard into a triangle, and you know, it's super easy. You should be able to connect the dots, right? But what you're doing as a brown belt, like a high level purple belt, is trying to find what makes jujitsu like. Real. What makes it tick? What makes it alive? And you're trying to become a part of the whole thing, the big picture, beautiful beautification of why we really do this to become connected to the art and learn to love it truly, intimately, and see it for what it really is. That's what brown belts all about. So one of the most one of the most fun I have with brown belts is talking to them when they come to me with questions, and I just kind of have this. Jedi sage wisdom that I know I'm just fucking with him. You know I mean? <laughs> like, I'm just telling him like dumb shit because like the question's stupid anyway. It's like you already know the answer, brother. Like you don't I'm not here to give you the answer. I'm here to make you think about what I'm saying in some abstract manner so that you go back and you go, man, fuck coach. <laughs> and you think about it. You think about it yourself and you come your own to conclusions because I'm not here to you know, when you're a brown butt, I'm not here to teach you anything. I'm here to make you learn for yourself. You know, that's one of the things I have fun. I, did, I love it. I love it so much. Brown belts are my favorite, favorite, favorite because I just fuck with them so bad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like we said, though, you're teaching, them, you're teaching them to learn. Like, minus all the, all the yeah. messing with them, that is teaching them how to learn for themselves, like how to yeah. look at jujitsu in a way that they can actually become their own teacher as well.
1: Really fall in love with it because you think, and this is, this is the thing, when you get your black belt, you know, it's everyone says it. You know, then nothing. When you get your black belt, like nothing changes. You're just like, oh fuck, I'm a black belt now. And it's not like you have this magic power. You're just now, it's black belt. But there's something about getting your black belt that you've earned the right now to no longer care about the anxiety of reaching that next belt. You know what I mean? So every other belt, everything you're doing is in one way or another. Focused on what can I do to get to my purple belt? What can I do to get to my brown belt? What can I do to now officially get to my black belt? Then, when you get your black belt, you just get stripes for time served. So, when you get your black belt, you're not doing jujitsu. I read this. I read this in, read this in a, an article 100 years ago too. I didn't come up with this myself. But you know, when you get your black belt, there's a certain degree of I don't care about the future. I'm doing jujitsu just because I love it. Yeah, maybe if you're still competing and things like that, obviously, but like, you know, I'm doing it now just for the joy and the beauty and the love of the art because nothing matters anymore. And that's what you do from brown belt. You learn to discover what the big picture of jujitsu is and why I love it and why the anxiety and all of these things aren't really worth it anymore. And when you get your black belt, you have mastered, you've come to that point of almost like, I don't even know why I do jiu anymore. Guess what? You're a black belt now. <laughs>
2: you know, it's kind of, it's fun. Yeah, you know. definitely. So I do kind of want to pivot a little bit and talk about like all your involvement in jiu media. And it's kind of related because, you know, you like to put your yeah. voice out there and, and, and write a bunch of different articles and you do podcasts and all that stuff. What do you, what motivates you to originally get involved in that stuff? And where do you see it going? Like in the next five years as the sport grows? You know, man,
1: like i said there was a part of me in the beginning that was you know there's a a very odd thing in human nature um there's a very like parable-ish kind of concept that like is a charitable act less or more charitable because the person that is doing that act has ulterior self-promotion you know agenda agenda right like if a rich person donates $5 million to a kid's hospital, but he's getting the tax credit for it. Like, is that donation any less charitable? You know, did the kids that have cancer that now have a facility, did they give a shit that he got a tax credit for it? No. You know what I'm talking about? They're, they're getting cancer. They're not going to be like, fuck <laughs> this guy. You know, man, they're like, make me my chemo. You know what I'm saying? Let's say there's, there's that's horrible, but you get the idea, right? Um, so in context of that, you know, when I first started getting into media, like it was very self centered right it was not necessarily so I had a message but there was more about I wanted people to see how creative and genius I was and how important I am to be able to spread my word to the world you know Um, and that drove me to kind of get better and I would be lying if I said I still don't have a little of that kicking in my head Um, however there's really truly a love that I have for this sport, all things fighting. Like it's a weird Hemingway-esque kind of feeling. And I'm not saying comparing myself to Hemingway, but it's the same kind of thing. You know, I, I, I really, uh, I really enjoy, there's another order that I fucking came with. Camus is another one. I can't think it was, I, I said it wrong, but whatever. Um, <laughs> there's a very weird part of me that really wants to, to help people, to spread the word of jiu-jitsu and how amazing it is and to get those things out there. And I think that journalism is, you know, something that's really missing aside from just the wash your stinky geese and all the shit like that that's kind of clickbaitish. You know, I've always had a joy for writing and I want to get people to go out there and, like, love jiu the same way that I love it in whatever capacity I can make them do that. You know, if it's self-centered a little bit, sometimes I guess it is. But the end result is always the same. Where did your joy from writing stem from? Man, I've always written. I I wanted to be a writer when I was a kid. I used to write poems. God, I can, Jesus, I can, honestly, dude, I can remember, God, as far back as I can remember, Jesus, like eight, nine years old, I used to write weird short stories and all kind of things. And like, you know, it was just a weird, again, probably because I wanted attention. You know, I had a pretty weird childhood. You know what I mean? I had some shit go down as a kid that kind of made me need to have this attention, you know, all the time. But then I started writing poetry and all those other things. things And then when I graduated college, you know, I was very artistic. I didn't graduate college. I went to fucking college. I went two years when I graduated high school. Like, I had this whole, like, I wanted to be this, you know, writer. And I thought about all the beat writers. I thought it was going to be Jack Kerouac and freaking Charles Bukowski and all this other shit like that. So I started writing poetry. And then I kind of lost my lust for it. and You know, and... I've always wanted to do that, and I felt like writing articles, I've cultivated my ability to write more and more over that course of that time.
0: It's really funny how much, <clears throat> how much it seems you and I have in common because that's like I've always really liked writing too. When I was in high school, I wanted to be a, a broadcast journalist. I wanted, to do a, I wanted to be a news anchor, and I was doing jiu at the time, but then I, didn't <clears throat> I, was gonna get a, I was in a program to get a scholarship to Walter Cronkite University, and oh, cool. uh, I didn't end up going through with it. Because I wanted to do jujitsu, and uh, that's just so funny. Like and then now with the open guard cast, like it's really cool to be able to, like you said, cultivate my ability to potentially write and to potentially do broadcast journalism in some sort of sense through like commentary through the podcast. It's cool. It's like the it's like the world that I left behind, though I still love for jujitsu. I get to bring along with me now. Yeah, it's kind of cool.
1: You know, one thing I want to add. Just to this, because I want to say it before I forget get it, um, you know, in any of these endeavors of, you know, trying to, to become better at something or like looking to get the public eye and things like that, you know, it's difficult because it's so easy and everyone does it. You put the cart before the horse. You know, everybody wants the clicks. Everybody wants the notoriety. Everybody wants to freaking to feel that special person, like they're reaching people, because that's the end game. You know, we're not. I ain't lying. You know, I want to figure out. I, this is cool. It's nice. I enjoy it. I love it. But I still want to be able to get paid doing this shit. You know, I still want to be able to put something together where at least all my hard work is worth more than me just fucking. You know, sitting in my laptop and shit. But the point of it is, the point I'm trying to make is this: is that, you know. Whenever you're into one of these creative endeavors, something that puts your image out there in one way or another as an influencer or whatever the fuck we're saying this is, um, focus on the product you're putting out first. You're going to suck for a while, but you're going to get better. Keep focusing on building a quality product. And no matter what happens, if you have a show and three people watch it, whatever, keep at it get better at your skill, continue to continue to get better at what you're doing, honing your craft. And eventually you'll start to see the payback because eventually people will take notice of what you were doing and it'll spread like wildfire when you get to that point. That's my two cents on that. That's great advice. Thank you. Yeah, I think, I think that we live in a world... It's kind of sad, and this is me just being old and yelling at the clouds, <laughs> I guess. But yeah, I think we live in a world where... Uh, Everyone wants instant gratification. And we, I don't think that we, I don't think I can remember. And again, I don't think I'm being incorrect in saying this either. I think that we've reached a point, you know, with Instagram and Facebook where there's so many people out there that think that they are worthy and noteworthy of acclaim. And you look at him, like, what in the fuck have you done? You've never done anything. you never did anything. Like, I have these blue belts that come up to me. And I, not to use this concept, but I have these like, blue belts that come up to me. Hey, man, can you get me on a Saputero? Can you talk to Saputero and get me on a fight to win? And I'm like, um, yeah, but, I mean, did you ever compete at the Copa down the street? Or did you ever do the Naga in the Orlando? Like, I mean, what, like, what, what merit do I have to tell these promoters that you are ready for the big time? Like, you didn't pay your dues, homie. You know what I mean? Like, go out and pay your dues. You know, I, I won't even talk about sponsorships because that's just stupid. You no, know, fucking sponsorship. What the fuck does that mean? What? You're going to get a free rash card, homie. Like, you ain't paying your bills with rash cards and fucking board shorts. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, like, don't – go out and do something, man. Go out and make a name for yourself. Go out and compete. Go out and put some things together that make you a – recognizable expert in your field before you go out and try to promote yourself as one because you just look stupid. And maybe I'm wrong because there are tons of people out there that understand how to market to do better than that. And I guess I just have to die on that fucking stump, but
2: no, I feel like those are a lot of my lessons that Jiu Jitsu teaches you. Like patience, like oh, you're gonna man. you're gonna know how good your skill is when you get on the mat. Like there's really no marketing that's gonna change <laughs> how good your daily guard is. Dude I teach private lessons
1: to rich dudes all day long. You know, and I love them. They they all know I love them. (laughs) If they're watching this, they know I love them. And I can't tell you, you know, one of the things that I enjoy working with those people for is because they're so used to either, you know, and they, they work hard. I'm not saying they don't have worked hard for what they gained, but because they've accomplished so much in their normal lives, they're used to being able to kind of clef out just to throw a bunch of money at something and be able to get it. And you know, people wanna oh, I'm gonna buy this, I'm gonna put all these private lessons in, and you know we're getting my purple belt and all this other stuff like that. And I just look at him and I'm like, brother, like I'm not even I'm not even judging you because I wish I could do it. I wish you could give me, believe me, I wish you could give me twenty grand and I can make you be I would be I would be I'd be dope. I fucking love it. <laughs> it's problem solved. You know, but there's no amount of money. There's no amount of anything that I can give you to not do what it takes. And you're not, you're not really going to get it just from private lessons. We could teach private lessons all day long. We could do a private lesson here and there to kind of make you feel like you're getting something more value. And it's their help. Don't get me wrong. But you got to get out there. You got to sweat. You got to take some licks to the nose. You got to get your face smashed in. You got to learn how to deal with that stressor because that's what makes Jiu Jitsu beautiful. And that's what makes Jiu Jitsu the greatest martial art for self defense on the planet is that you put yourself in those deep waters. And there's nothing I can do but tell you what you need to do. And you have to go out and fucking do it. And these guys love that
2: shit. (laughs) It's funny. <laughs> no, I yeah. fucking got I just lost
0: like five clients.
2: <laughs>
0: Breaking new article by Open GuardCast, Kevin Gallagher loses all yeah. his clients. <laughs> no, right. client. back,
2: back to the bar, back to the bar dinner. Back to the gay bar.
0: <laughs>
1: back, back to the gay bar. All right. <laughs> Oh, they'd love it. They they'd welcome me back with open arms, <laughs> baby. Believe me. Yeah. One, one, thing, one thing go to can do is uh get some money off the gay boys. They love my ass. <laughs> I used to make them wait. We used to I would they always want me take my shirt off. And I would fucking like, you know, I would I would make them wait. Because if I did it too early, it was a frenzy. You know what I mean? Everybody it left and shit. I'd make them wait till like one. I'd make them wait till like one o'clock and shit like that, so they're good and drunk and then I'd be like, ah <laughs> so horrible. I can't <laughs> even tell the stories. <laughs> yeah, we're not editing that part out
2: either.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. Don't edit that out. Fuck it, man. I'm proud. <laughs> Why not?
2: Why not? So uh, anything else you want to do, uh, touch on, Jake, before we kind of wrap this up?
0: No, man. I, I've, heard, uh, I've heard everything. I've, I've, I've heard... Really, this is a conversation with a jiu uncle. We heard really great sound advice with absolutely no bearing on it. No, no filter needed. It's not your kid. So... <laughs> Why do I need to why do I need to put a filter? He's not he's not my kid. That's and right. also I heard uh, gay bar stories and I I feel like I got yelled at a couple of times, but I don't think I did. Yeah. I so apologize. I that's that's I'm my kidding. way, homie. I always tell my I students, joking. I said, even when
1: you think I'm angry with you and I'm being nasty, it's it's coming from a place of love, I promise. I just I can't help
0: myself. I just ah I'm old and cranky. Trust me. I'm I'm, I'm with it. And I appreciate it. So
2: so, Kevin, thanks for joining us today. I think we Yeah, we're good. we really appreciate it. We really appreciate your time. We know you're super busy. So, just want to, like, plug your, yeah, your school and your sponsors and all that. Yeah. yeah, man,
1: please. Like, you know, I got a couple sponsors out there. Um, you can go check out um, – God, I got fucking 100 of them. You can call, check out <laughs> Off Colony. Uh, he's a tattoo artist. He's got a some dope, dope rash guards out there. You can go use uh, uh, my promo code uh, TRINITYBJJ there. Um, no judges needed right here. This is my ride or die, my homeboy, uh, Troy Regano, uh, jiu-jitsu owner and operator. He's a black belt. Um, awesome dude. Um, you got geese, rash guards, the whole thing, apparel. He's super dope. And then um, the last one is, oh, God. <laughs> I'm going to go to hell for this one. Um, Z-Gear, Z-Guard uh, uh, geese. You can use Gracie Trinity. Uh, they got some super fucking dope geese, by the way, if you want to try some geese out from there. Um Go check them out. Uh they've got some really cool geese, Gracie Trinity or Trinity BJJ. And then obviously my gym is Gracie Trinity. You can go check out my gym whenever you want. And you know, I I kind of have found myself in a flux as far as like my jujitsu journalism goes. I'm kind of in a state of who the hell knows what's going on. But there's some projects in the work. I think the Uncle Clitch Kevin show is gonna be coming out pretty soon with Josh Leduc and me and Kevin Bradley are gonna start getting our own thing going again, so we can have each other on each other's podcast. That's awesome. <laughs> in the near future. Awesome. You have a match too coming up. Yeah. I want to
2: talk about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, if you want to check me out in, in Orlando, let me see if I can find the damn promotion of the link. I, know I have, should have all this shit ready for me, but I don't have it. Um, going against a real tough kid, William Vincent. Uh, really, really tough kid. I think it's the dark the Dar side is his name on uh, on Instagram. D1 wrestler, big kid. I've guarded, competed against him before. Um, it's going to be... Uh, the Leo Code uh, in Orlando. If you want to check a link out, I'll just put it up on my. Like, you can go. You can go to my Facebook page, Kevin Gallagher, and check out the link. It's up there. If you want to buy, freaking, I think it's twenty bucks for the pay per view stream. Or if you want to watch it, or if you're in the Orlando area, you want to come check me out. I'm excited. I talk a lot of shit, but I love to compete. <laughs> man. Even in the old ass age, I still I love getting out there. Just eventually, I'm gonna not. I mean, I'm 44 now. I don't know how much longer I can keep doing this shit. Eventually, it's gonna stop. But I still I can still get my old bones in there. So
0: that's awesome.
2: Jake, anything from you?
0: No. I loved this. I loved this podcast. It was awesome having you on. We definitely. I would love to uh, come on. Kevin Brad. We got to talk to Kevin Bradley again too. Yeah, that definitely. Joker keeps on keeps on we'll posting, see, we'll me, posting wholesome we'll, we'll, memes.
1: We'll, we'll, we'll see what we can do. We'll see. I'll, I'll you a spot, baby. We'll see what we
0: can do. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll ask. <laughs> I'll, I'll ask Andre Galvan if it's okay. <laughs> yeah. If I can, uh, if I can <laughs> nice.
1: The yeah, I like you. I like you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: love it. You know, I know it's hard living in, all the way in san diego <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
1: probably a hard drive san diego probably well, yeah. uh, the, the, your daily rides to, to, to yeah, class six, you
0: know six, yeah, where do you live drive, again where do tampa. you live tampa you're in Tamp- tampa florida yeah oh very cool all right well anyway if you guys uh, want to come down
2: check me out come train with us sometime yeah, be yeah. awesome i'd love that
0: yeah, we come I, yeah I'll, and come down and, I'll come down and train with you and Josh LaDouche. LaDouche. <laughs> <laughs> I shot. like I him a lot, actually. Part, I like him a lot. There's some talent uh, here. I I'm just kidding. I like the guy. Like I, I just said I, a wholesome know, story kidding. about how much I, I like you Josh LaDouche. It's so
1: funny because I've spent so much time of my life trying to not like <laughs> Josh <Le Duke>. LaDouche. He's just like, he's just such a, he's such a douche sometimes. And he's just so like, fuck this guy. He talks so much shit. But you know what, man? He's a really, a really, really underrated jiu-jitsu coach, and jiu- maybe not underrated. But he, I, in my opinion, mm-hmm. anyway, he's a very solid jiu-jitsu coach. His the product he puts out is really, really solid. And bottom line is, this dude's been doing this shit longer than everybody else. Like he put, Gordon, you can argue the fact that he put Gordon Ryan and Craig Jones on the map with his early Zapateros, because I can remember competing on Zapatero was like in two thousand. 12, 2014, 15, with a young, skinny Gordon Ryan, and nobody knew who the hell Craig Jones was, and like watching those guys come in and win his
2: early Zapateros. You know, so you can really make that debate. It's awesome. Maybe one day we can commentate Zapatero with you. Ah, baby, let's <laughs> do this thing, man. I'll run one with you, man. We'll get one. We'll get your ass to get, come on down and we'll get the, we'll get the Dream That'd TV. That'd be again. awesome. Ooh. <laughs> Love it. All right, well, all right, well, Danny, does that mean uh, you're going to take us yeah, out of here? definitely. So thanks again, Kevin Gallagher, for coming on. Really appreciate your time. We know how busy you are. Check out his school, Gracie Trinity. Check out all the sponsors that he plugged. Watch him compete coming up. Uh, you can find that link on his Facebook and get a pay-per-view for it. So, yeah, this has been Episode 104 of the Open Guard Cast, and we will see you guys shortly for another episode.